0: Well, I'm joined with Mike Gallo. He is the author of No More Games. Mike,
1: how are you doing? I'm doing good, Josh. Thanks. No More Games, huh? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a crazy journey. Uh, just Just thrilled to start getting the word out about this.
0: Okay, well, we're going to be talking a lot more about this No More Games book, but first we're going to tell you about who Mike Gallo is. So, Mike, obviously, I know you from the Excel Center. You're the director now? Correct, over in Elkhart, yeah. Director of the Excel Center in Elkhart, and you're involved in a lot of sports around here. You, sports?
1: Yeah, I've I've got three kids. Um, Both my boys grew up playing travel baseball. I I started coaching my oldest when he was 10, took over my middle son's team when he was 8, so I've been doing... Doing this for the past decade i believe my daughter's been heavily involved in sports uh, as an educator i coached basketball for years uh, up in niles so just throughout my life education and sports have just been a huge huge part of my life and you, so you have three kids correct right. yep and your wife you guys are from around here or no so i grew up in the st louis area st louis yeah i grew up just outside of st louis which is kind of roughly the setting of the book. Uh, moved up here when I was in high school. My wife is local and we've lived up here ever since we've we've had kids. And how long is that, how long have you guys been in this area in the South Bend? I think I've been up here the last 20
0: years. Okay, so quite a bit. Yeah. Alright, so uh, some of you by now have read the book. Uh, some of you may have had it sitting on your table waiting to read. Let's talk about a little bit where you came from,
1: St. Louis. Talk about uh, your, your upbringing. It, it's kind of one of those places I wish everybody could go to. It's um, right out Outside St. Louis, I could literally see the skyline from my house. The Golden it, Arches, you could see that? The, uh, the Arch. The Arch, the Arch
0: yeah. not the Golden Arch. No, I think not McDonald's. the Golden Arch. We, we did have a
1: McDonald's <laughs> in my town, but it was it was such a small community. And in fact, like it's funny you say the Golden Arches because it was so small. Like getting a McDonald's was a big deal at one no point. No kidding? Yeah. What? So it's really interesting to, to be that close to a big city, but in that small of a community. And it was just a middle-class town where everybody looked after each other. It was that time where if you got out of line with somebody else's parents, it was okay for them to discipline you. Um, I remember sure. my parents sending some of my friends home for getting in trouble and vice sure. versa. So it was just a really close-knit town that, quite honestly, I love going back. there. still some of my closest friends to this day live there. And even though I've been gone from that town for almost 30 years... You just fall back, like right in the same conversations with those people.
0: So we're looking at what, the 80s of you growing up outside of St. Louis?
1: Yeah, I I grew up like in, I I don't want to, well, I'll tell you, I was born in (laughs) 1977. It's okay to age yourself a little bit. So my my big time I spent in in that time was in the 80s, moved away in the early 90s. Some good sports, too, happening around there. Oh, great, a great sports town. Again, <laughs> one of the great things about the St. Louis area is just people are extremely loyal to just their community and their sports teams there. And I'm assuming, obviously, that even though the, there's a baseball
0: diamond on the, the front of the cover of this book, uh, that your love and affinity for sports maybe comes from
1: a greater, a greater thing absolutely. I mean, I just, sports is just a part of your life. and You know, the great thing about that town was it it was so close that you could ride your bikes to everybody's house or you could walk to your friend's house, but they had the neighborhood baseball fields that, uh, baseball fields and neighborhood basketball courts that you don't always see in some of these communities anymore. Or when you drive by, you just don't see kids playing on them like they used to.
0: All right. So I, would hate to jump forward a little bit, but I think this kind of brings up to the point, what sparked the idea in your head to, to maybe take some of these thoughts that you have or what you experienced as a kid and growing up and put it into this book that can be used as a lesson, a life lessons.
1: Yeah, um, so being a teacher, I have just graded, I didn't want to think about how many essays I've graded over the 20 years I've been teaching. And I've always just had a, an itch to do some writing myself so I started with a blog just about my experiences with coaching and, and really just focused on youth sports and that aspect. And so I'd gotten some positive responses from what i have been putting out there from people. And it just kind of made that itch grow even more. So I I, I had this story in my head. It, originally, this was a short story that I wrote oh, way no back kidding. in the 90s at Purdue what? in a creative writing class. Really? Yeah. And when, you know, when you're younger and, and as you grow older, you kind of reflect on things. Yeah. And, boy, if I could go back and do that or if I could do it again, type, type of feeling. So I, I, I knew I wanted to revisit that story. I just never had the time between teaching, coaching kids activities. I, I literally just had never had the time to sit down and do kind of a long format yeah. writing and then COVID happened. So the the you know 2020 was the year that it was um with education we lost the end of the school year came back over the summer tried to start back up and then most local schools closed between Thanksgiving and Christmas so we were no different i knew i was going to have that break and something in me just said why don't you put this time to good use instead of just sitting around binge watching another tv show that you've probably already watched like this was the opportunity to really sit down and, and just expand on those ideas. And I just thought about these characters and you don't have voices in your head, but the <laughs> characters do get in your head. And, and the more I kind of thought about the story I wanted to tell, the more I, was, I had a clear kind of idea of what I wanted to do with this. So I, I, I just want to kind of connect the dots
0: here. It seems like from the moment that you wrote this short story in college, you're on the 80s here, it seems like uh, over the course of that time, that there has been this ever so soft voice in your head saying, or at least calling out to it, to open up the old college shoebox and pull it out. Was it really just COVID that allowed you this time, or was it something that it was just kind of reaching a boiling point where it's like, you know what, I- I've I've got to I've got to answer this call here.
1: You know what? That, that, that's a great question. And really, it's the friendships. I, I think as you get older in life, you really start to reflect on what's important and, and the friendships and the relationships and having kids and seeing the friendships that they go through and, and watching them evolve and certain people come in and out of their lives and really kind of watching your own kids identify the important people and the important friends in their lives. That just reminded me of how important my friends were growing up and so when i wrote this in college it was kind of a tribute to, to all my friends that i just played pickup games with and I, I i'm still very connected with those people and i've had some great experiences with them the last few years and quite honestly covid was probably the trigger because i was not able to go back and visit them like i had for the holidays because of just wanting to be smart and safe and, and not have the large gathering so it was just kind of that calling of I miss my friends and I need to find a format to really talk about how special like those relationships are. All right, Mike, switching gears
0: here, we're talking about you becoming this soon to be author because you are, you're a published author now. I mean, this is no, no small task here, but let's talk about you becoming a teacher because obviously that had dividends and played into the factor here mm-hmm. of
1: you putting this all together. Uh, but let's talk about where, how you became a teacher. Yeah, I'm going to start with the book is, is really filled with lessons in self-doubt. Okay. In overcoming self-doubt. and Which we all have, I mean, right? I mean, Yeah. And quite honestly, when I went through college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was just somebody who always kind of just went the path of least resistance. <laughs> and so I got out of college and I was working some different jobs in sales and marketing and nothing was just fulfilling me. Um, I was, I was doing well, making money, uh, doing a lot of different things, but I just was kind of empty inside and started to kind of think about what do I, what do I really want to do? Like I went through college. That was what you're supposed to do in life. But I hadn't found my purpose. So uh, I did things a little bit a ba- little bit backwards. I actually went back to get my teaching degree as I was getting married. And no working, kidding. Working to uh, one full-time job, another part-time job. It's one of those things, I don't know how, looking back, I don't know how I did it. Um, working, you know, 50, 60 hours a week on top of going to college full-time. Which is about a 40, 50 hour a week for, that, for the school? Sometimes? Something like that, yeah. And like my wife is a saint because our schedule's rarely matched up, but I, I just knew I wanted to do something with a purpose. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of educators in my family. I've been around it. And um, did you and your
0: wife, I mean, did you guys like sit down and have a conversation when you're trying to figure out, okay, what, what can I do to be more fulfilling here? You know, and you're, you're kind of scoping it out here and, and you know, making the pros and cons list, right. Or, or writing out your options. You know, did you guys sit down and have a conversation, you know, where there a conver- who was your trusted ally in this, where you kind of said, you know, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think?
1: Is this crazy? For me, it came from within. And again, that, that's why my wife is a saint because we were engaged I was, I'd actually moved back to, to St. Louis and was working in a sales job, and I, I just knew things weren't right. And we were getting married, and I didn't want her to move back there, yeah. and me still have to kind of sort and, and shift through like the things I was dealing with. Right. And so it was just in me. I'm like, you know what? I need to get my my life together. I need to figure out what I want to do so I have a purpose. And so I just told her, "Hey, guess what? I'm <laughs> going back to school because I want to be a teacher." And and she understood that because she's a teacher. Yeah. Um, so oh, was, she is a teacher too. She is. Okay. So it was, it was nothing that we had to like discuss yeah. um, because her passion is obviously education too. But I think when I said that, I saw the hesitation in in her eyes because she knew. That involved a lot more schooling, which is in fact how I ended back up here um, because I didn't want to have her move down to St. Louis while I was going back to school to pursue this other career that may or may not work out. So I came back up here because she already had a teaching job up here. That was after you finished up with school or while you were finishing? While I was finishing up. So I started taking classes (laughs) down there in college and then finished up (laughs) here at IUSB with my education degree. So let's talk about you um, in
0: that process of going through the process, right? Because I think that's something that's always overlooked, right? Is the process of going through school. Because I'm sure that even while you're taking some of those classes, you're still feeling some of that self-doubt. Oh, for for sure. Um, Let's talk about that. Longest road, baby.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's ironic is uh, I'd worked for Martin's Supermarkets for yeah. years, and it's a great company, great people. I had just finished up my education degree, and I had a great opportunity with Martin's to use my original degree that i gotten from Purdue in communications and advertising. And I was kind of at that crossroads again of, do I pursue this this field in the career that didn't quite work out the first time? sure, Or do I pursue what I what I went after and like why I went back to school. So again, a lot of self-doubt. I think that first year of teaching, I was constantly asking myself, did I make the right decision? Should I have gone after that kind of marketing and promotions gig with Mart- with Martins or am I am I really meant to be a teacher? Um, but the longer you, I stuck with teaching, the more it just clicked. And, and quite honestly, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Where was the turning
0: point though? I mean, And I know that I'm going to hit hard on you on this one, but where was the turning point? I mean, if you could remember where that self-doubt turned into self-confidence and you were able to kind of carry that into a a kind of a swagger, if you will.
1: Yeah. You know, I don't know if there's a specific turning point, but when you work in education— you're obviously there because you have a passion about what you're teaching. But if you're not there for the students and for the kids, you're you're probably there for the wrong reasons. And it was just, you start to see the impact on the kids when the kids come to you with real problems and real situations. So I started off as a middle school teacher, Niles. Yeah. And just when, when kids start coming to you because they trust you, they can't talk to anybody else. That is just where you realize, you know what? I'm in the right spot. I made the right decision. And as it kind of relates to the book a little bit, the characters in the book have on the surface an okay life, but things just beneath the surface aren't what they seem. And I found that the longer I stayed in education, more and more kids have that. And again, if you take the time to care about them and look just beneath the surface there's so much going on there that it, it's just amazing how some of these kids can can really get through on a day 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 basis with what they're dealing with so
0: niles really was the foundation then for for your eyes to be open into the the, the public school system and even just school system in general as a teacher right so you're at niles did you start any coaching there were you involved in in sports while you were there?
1: Yeah, so I was in Niles uh I think three years or maybe four years and then I got involved with the basketball program okay and I had a great mentor there uh, he and I are still really close friends to this day but really just taught me about you know what it means to to be a leader, what it means to advocate for other people um, how you handle when people don't always like what you have to say, or, yeah. or don't agree with your philosophies, and so all that really shaped me, and 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 to this day, I mean, Niles is the place that really shaped me as as a man. A lot of lessons I learned from there, and and the students that I had there are are still some of them I'm still very close with, and I keep in touch with because again, it's it's just that that connection um, that if, if you do education right. You just, you just bond. These parts right
0: here are so important to kind of piece out all this puzzle together, right? And that's why I want to make sure we hit a little bit deeper into the Niles. And I know you're probably ready to move on a little bit, but you talk about becoming a man, right? I mean, that's that's no small, that's no small statement to say. I mean, you became a man here. and So in your professional career, you, you felt like you became a man. You had a good mentor. You're doing a little coaching. You're with the teaching. What, was there any moments that stood out to you while you were at Niles where, like, say— a kid came up to you, the first kid that came up to you, you know, asking for advice or says, hey, I got this problem. You know, is there anything that you could tell us that might kind of just show or maybe a, a true testament to that?
1: Uh, Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes and no. Um, you know, some of those things I'll always kind of carry just within me. But one specifically and i think that's where the the main the, the main female character becky came from was this girl who just on the outside was bubbly everything seemed to be going really well had a lot of friends and then one day just confided in me that there were some major issues going on at home that that nobody would have even had a clue as i would have never suspected anything and as an adult you kind of reflect like why is this Person telling me this. I mean, obviously, you've built a relationship, but there are certain things in life that we all kind of hold inside of us oh, yeah. until we can't anymore, and then when we realize we we need to get out, we're going to the one person that we can really trust more than anything. And so, I think from that moment on, that that was um, in my first year of teaching. Wow, and it really kind of floored me. And I, and I really didn't know how to handle that. Yeah. Um, just being a young man, but it's 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 moments like that that just really kind of solidify and validate what you do. And it's why I, I always will have a passion for education and why I, I just hold teachers in in the highest regard because they we deal with that every single day with so many students and you just can't give everything that you want to all of them.
0: Let's talk about what happened after Niles, right? Because obviously you have a couple more landing spots. Where, where, where'd you go after Niles?
1: So after Niles, I went to a charter school in South Bend. Okay. Um, served in the leadership role there. Quite honestly, uh, no disrespect to anybody I've worked with, but the best educators I've ever been around. No kidding. We, we had some really tough kids. It was just a, um, a really interesting building. Yeah. But the passion that the teachers had there and just the creativity, and no matter what was going on with those kids, their willingness to try new things, to work together, was unlike any teaching staff I've ever been around. And uh, to this day, I... I Again, i probably got another 20 more years <laughs> in the game, but it's it's hard for me to imagine being around another staff like I was at, at, at Xavier School of Excellence in South Bend. Oh, wow. And, of course, after that, you go on to? I went to
0: Bremen, Bremen.
1: for oh, so, a year. Okay, Bremen Lions. I went Lions. down there, yep. I was, uh, I was a teacher down there, coach down there. Oh, no kidding. Um did you coach down at Bremen? I coached basketball. Okay, all right. And then uh, a, a, a good buddy of mine who is uh, – it's still really, we're still really close. He called me and he says, I want to tell you about the Excel center. Okay. No and it was, it was this brand new idea um, that was being adopted from Indianapolis where yeah. the schools had started down there. And at first I just couldn't get my mind around teaching adults. Like what was yeah. that actually going to look like? And how is that going to be? Because I, I, I love middle school and I, and I still do miss middle school. And that would also require having to give up doing the coaching related activities at the schools. Right. And that was, that's, I mean, because
0: we talked about it right at the beginning of this, you know, you're a passionate guy about sports. It's ingrained in your soul almost. So having to give that up, I mean, that's another crossroad that you come across. Uh, How did you weigh those, that option there of having to give that up versus of course chasing the career pathway?
1: Yeah. Again, it comes back to, I, I, so I knew, I knew Justin from the Excel or from uh, Xavier school of Uh excellence and as you get older, you just kind of have to rely on some of those instincts in your gut, and I, I, I love Bremen. I, the, some of the best students and kids I ever had were in Bremen, but something just didn't feel right inside. Okay. Um, as as a teacher, as a man, I just sort of gravitate to the the kids and yeah. the people that just need a little bit more. Um. And again, no disrespect to Bremen. But, yeah. You know. Go Lions. <laughs> th- yeah. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. Um. But. The, the the kids there didn't need the teachers they didn't need me like I've, I'd experienced in the past
0: and you knew that you could be used somewhere else these these talents that you have inside you because that's what they are they are talents could be used somewhere else
1: yeah right. and, and you know going to the Excel Center going to adult education you have people that are looking for a second chance right things didn't work out the first time and as adults doing something, it's never as easy. as <laughs> You know, like as a kid, you can you can take a fall and and get right up. Like as an adult, if it's a literal fall or figurative fall, it it wears on you. And oh my goodness! I, I just wanted to be in a role like where I could kind of help navigate people as an adult because even though I I didn't have to go back to high school, yeah, I did have to go back to college to get the degree that I'm now using, and I know what it's like to have to work full time two jobs, all sorts of crazy hours to try and, and reach the goal or the dream that you, you've you kind of laid out for yourself. I'm sure it's an interesting conversation when you have, probably have kids
0: that tell you, you know, hey, you know, you don't know what it's like to have to juggle all this. But in all reality, you really
1: do yeah and and i don't want to pretend that like i know like no absolutely right right yeah but but i know what it's like to take a non-traditional route i know what it's like to to walk into a class when you are dead tired or you know the last thing you want to do is go to work but you know you've got bills to pay and you've got responsibilities and again walking that journey as i was as newly married it wasn't just me anymore and a lot of these students when they when they make this um, journey back to, yeah. to get their high school diploma. It's not just them. They've they've got kids. They they have a spouse. So I, I understand like the weight that they have. Of they're doing this for them. Right. But it's not just their dream anymore it's it's it, there's more people involved than just themselves well let's stay on your dream here so obviously all your efforts at the
0: excel center there uh in south bend that translated into something else and it's kind of a recent development a semi-recent development yeah, right? so
1: the the excel center in elkhart opened up in august and i was tabbed to be the leader back in 2019 and then um everything just kind of fell apart with covid in right. 2020 so we put we pushed it back and i've always tell people never use the word never because <laughs> i just i distinctly remember at one point somebody telling me that well all administrators are just bad teachers that want to get out of the classroom and i remember saying i will never be an administrator well <laughs> here is that never word here huh? i am and <laughs> you know what like i'm not a bad teacher that wanted to escape the classroom <laughs> um but really what that is is for me, I wanted to do something bigger and and, and, and more challenging. Um, not to say that, that teaching is not challenging because it has challenges every day, but something inside me was just saying, get out of your comfort zone because you know what? You can always go back and be a teacher, but push yourself. Do something a little bit different. And so here I am. Uh, the Excel Center in Elkhart was off to a great start. I've got a great staff. And every day there's still like that self-doubt. There's like kind of, you know, flutter in my stomach of, am I doing this right? Am I doing the right thing? Is this where I want to be? But again, like there's that that flutter also kind of makes you alive in life. And that's, that's kind of like what I'm really trying to tap into now that I'm in my 40s. My (laughs) kids are like on the verge of like leaving and I have to, (laughs) my wife and I have to redefine our lives again. Right.
0: Mike, we've been spending some time getting to know you prior to writing this book. Uh, but all of these things are all interconnected to this book. I think it's time for us to really dive in and talk about this book. We've kind of spent a little bit of time kind of understanding how this book came to be. But when you wrote this book, because this was in 2020 when mm-hmm. you started actually rewriting the college version, correct? Yes. When you wrote this, did you have people in mind? Was it the friends back from, you know, outside St. Louis? What was the town called? Uh Caseyville. Caseyville. Was it from those people from Caseyville that you had in mind?
1: It it was, but there's no character that's specifically somebody I grew up with. Okay. So some people that I've grown up with that have read the book, they want to ask and know is this, and it's all just a hodgepodge, and it's it's really just more of a tribute to the type of people that I that I grew up with. And there there are some certain stereotypes in there that aren't really accurate of the people that I grew up with. And my parents were mortified of of this book because when they read it, the main characters, uh, parents are, are not what you would call good people. And so they they were kind of <laughs> wanting to to analyze and ask, like well, are we, are we really like this, do we really treat you this way? And I had to kind of explain to them, no, this is more just you know just kind of the things I've experienced over my years. But I, I definitely wanted to come back and really salute the people I grew up with and just really the friendships that, that I had growing up as, as a kid. We've kind of name dropped some of the characters along the way here,
0: but let's let's fully dive into it. Uh, you, you want to go ahead and introduce some of these characters and scenes that
1: are going to be notorious in this book? Sure. So so the main character's name is David and he that character was nameless for a while. Um, really? How long? Just well, out of curiosity. I, I Honestly, I, I don't know. I don't even really know how I landed on that name. Um, it's da- a good name, David. David, David it rolls is, off the tongue. David is my middle name. Oh, well, there it is. And <laughs> so I think I was just kind of David self-doubt. Uh, you know, where do I go with this? And so uh, he's a kid that that is filled with a lot of self-doubt. He's a little bit... I would say less mature, but he's on the younger end. And that that sort of reflects my childhood because the guys that I tended to hang out with yeah. were a couple of years older. So okay. I was used to always kind of being put in my place. Did you feel like you were always like uh, maybe just a little bit more mature or
0: maybe out of sorts with the kids at your age? So is that why you kind of hung out with some of these older cats?
1: Honestly, it was just, uh, who, just who was willing to play that day? You know, who, <laughs> who, who wanted to play sports uh, and, and who was willing to show up at the field? Yeah, and It was usually just older guys. So I, I kind of found myself on the younger. Okay. End of that. Um, as a kid growing up, I was not a great athlete. I was I was small, I was really skinny. So I had to I had to fight for everything. Like literally. Um oh, he's a scrapper. Sometimes our yeah, sometimes our football games would just end with, well, let's give Gal the ball and <laughs> just tackle him until he wants to go home. Um, I love it. So yeah, so so the main character was just that kid that had a lot of self-doubt. He did have he had some abilities, but he didn't quite know how to bring him out, bring them out. And his and his parents just really weren't tuned in to what he needed because they had their own issues they were dealing with. We started talking a little bit about... Uh
0: We've mentioned Becky. Becky is a name that you've thrown around a little bit too. You kind i know you talked a little bit about Becky, but since we're reintroducing these characters, you want to talk to us about Becky. She play a role in this.
1: Yeah, I mean, so so Becky is, um, and that's why I said this book's got a little bit of everything because it's not. It, if you if you look at the cover and you pick it up, you're thinking, well, this is just a book about baseball, and it really far from it. <laughs> yeah, like um, the the neighborhood baseball field is what brings the kids together, but um, it's it's really kind of a romance. And I, and I didn't plan on that at all. Like when I started <laughs> writing the book, but it's really how David and Becky's relationship came together. And they were two people that on the surface, outsiders might look at and say, well, wow, that kid's got a lot of ability. Um, you know, she is just this girl that everybody in the town is really kind of looking at as like the, you know, the eyes on the prize. The wow girl. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, But once you kind of start to look beneath the surface, you can see that, like, she's far from perfect. And her and David have had these conflicted emotions for a long time. And um, you know, I had to tap back into some of my own experiences, and I, I don't think my experiences are that different than most people. Where there probably was that that guy or girl in your life where oh, sure, you 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 knew you liked, but you didn't quite know how to to express that. It's the awkward stuff, right? Yeah, and, <laughs> and you catch each other looking at each other, but then you're you just you know, like, and your friends will will, will think a certain <laughs> way about you if you start you know making advances and all this. And so I'm so glad I'm not in those years. Oh <laughs> my goodness. But I, I wanted to really kind of tap into like all those awkward emotions. And so, yeah, Becky on the surface is this really strong person that has everything together, yeah. but as... Um, as the story evolves, you find out she's got a lot going on and her and David are drawn to each other. And they they start to realize, wow, like <laughs> not everything is as it seems on the surface. And despite the fact that they thought they really knew each other, they really didn't know each other at all.
0: And when you say in that, uh, you know, describe us so part of the scene set here, right? Obviously, we know that there's a neighborhood baseball field. And these kids get together, I'm assuming after school, does this take place in the summertime during the school year? So that way they got all the school drama and things that are bringing back to the, the sandlot, if you will. I,
1: well, I was just going to say like, this is very much like a sandlot <laughs> type movie. I'm getting the vibes. Yeah. So, um, growing up as a kid, which is difficult now as a travel baseball coach, because I feel like you're, these kids are playing one sport year round and right. they're focusing in on this, but you know, growing up in the eighties and nineties, you played the sport that was in season. So when it, it, It was summertime. It was baseball all the time when it was and fall, everybody played right. Yeah, yeah, and when it was fall, like you shifted to football or basketball or hockey or w- whatever was going on. So yeah, this book is definitely in the summer, and it, it is in my mind. It is set in the hometown I grew up in, which did have a school, as mentioned in the book, right in the center of the town. And there, there was not a baseball field there. There was just a lot, sort of like the sand lot that was there. Um, it's described in the book, and there was this house right next to the field. There was no, there was no back. <laughs> <laughs> that lived there trust me like if, if if she was real like we would have made sure we showed up every day but I I like the idea that that somehow like all the all the kids in the story were not only connected to that baseball field but Becky was kind of maybe the secret reason like why they really enjoyed showing up and, and playing on that field so let's talk about it. is there any more
0: characters that we should know about before we we go along
1: so the main character. So you've got David who has all this this self doubt and yeah, um, the ability, but the self doubt along with it. Yeah, and, and he's really neglected at home. Yeah. Um, his parents are together, that they're, they're having a lot of issues, and they just don't pay attention. And they're, they're young parents, so they're not in tune with with their son's needs. They're more focused on their own issues and their yeah. own their own relationship. And so uh, David turns to his best friend, which is his name is Dusty, and Dusty is kind of the the voice of reason uh, in this story. If there is a character in this book. That is closely related to somebody that exists in real life it's dusty Uh, dusty is uh, in a lot of ways a representation of my best friend that i did have growing up that kid that would just kind of tell you what you needed to hear in that moment and really didn't care um it hurt your feelings and at the time sometimes it does hurt your feelings but you realize it comes from a place of love to, to make you a better person. And that's maybe my favorite dynamic of the book is how you see the, the relationship between David and Dusty evolve, like where they start. It starts with Dusty really pushing David to realize you're not the only one with problems. And then David is forced to take a step back and kind of start seeing the world through other people's eyes, realizing that wow, my best friend is always there for me and maybe I'm not there for him right. because he's dealing with some things too. right? And so I really, really like that aspect of the story because again, as a teacher, I see, I've see i seen those things for years where you have one friend that really kind of leans on one consistently, 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 and that other friend just doesn't have that coming back. And they that's sometimes why they turn to an adult as the outlet. It becomes a one-way street.
0: Yeah. Uh, speaking of the streets... Are you
1: and Dusty still friends you know what's weird is we we are so we're not we're not close um, but when I did go and do a book signing in my hometown uh, the, the the character that Dusty's based on did show up no kidding and it was probably the first time we'd seen each other in about 15 16 years what was that like awesome yeah uh, it was in, in fact I mean it really speaks to the town I grew up in because I didn't realize his parents had purchased my book no kidding so his parents purchased the book loved it and run a book club his his stepmom runs a book club and they read my book as part of their book club oh how cool yeah how cool yeah and so she's involved with the town library reached out and said hey there's this guy. He wrote this book. It's loosely based on our town. He moved away about thirty, uh, yeah, thirty years ago. <laughs> and uh, would you be interested in having him come and do a book signing? And so I was able to go back and do a book signing. And lo and behold, here came my friend. And the the best thing about that, and and probably the worst thing about that, is we just dropped right into you know our our, our friendship that we had as as kids growing up to the point where. I didn't introduce my wife to him and he didn't introduce us oh wow you know we just
0: was that was that kind of a, a complex for you a little bit
1: yeah i mean i think you just um again because the friendships were so are, are so deep and powerful sometimes you just get lost like in that in that world yeah. and i i do have to say so my friends back there uh back home are just the most amazing people like they're so welcoming um they, they they just met my wife through me and like my wife is truly part of that family and, and their group. It, it's, it is so hard to describe um, just how amazing the people are that I grew up with. Um, and and the, the main character that is, is this, Sort of uh, brought through and Dusty. He's not necessarily a part of that group that we always get together, and so I think that's why, like, when we saw each other, we just kind of really just locked on, and we're just just going back and forth with the stories of us growing up as kids. And how long? How long was that exchange for? I mean, did you guys talk for a couple of hours? It was. It was probably an hour, and I think we had to leave because like the library was taking
0: like, <laughs> us out. So, but that just shows that this the characters that are in this book, you know, where Mike came from. I mean, this is all real things that have attributed to this book. As we're kind of setting the scene here, if you had a couple of sentences, how would you describe this book to a friend? Or you say, hey, I wrote this book. How would you describe it if you had your, or you could even give an elevator pitch here.
1: You know, I, I think one of the things that you really... Um,
0: Pretend I'm Mark Cuban and uh, we're about to do a rom-com. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's, <deal. laughs> you know, that's the thing is, um, again, it, on the surface, it looks like a baseball book. Yeah. But it's not. And, you know, the thing I would probably say most is like if, if you're looking for a book um, where you've got a main character that really is a reflection of a lot of us and the things that we've had to overcome and deal with, this is a book for you. Um, it's a coming of age book. And, and so, you know, you, you see these characters really come of age and they grow and they learn, they learn important lessons, but it's, it's really just a book that I think, even though there's some, some really dark parts of the book, it, it's really an uplifting book and it's an encouraging book. And it's, it's, it's a book that shows and reminds people that where you are right now in life does not have to be where you end up in life.
0: You know you were talking about some of the decisions that you had to make in this. One of the decisions I'm curious about is how did you come up with the location? I mean, was it already a given just a, how everything went for you growing up and the experiences that you have? Did you, was it already a given that this is where it would be?
1: Yeah, it was that that was just in my head. Um the, the, the town I grew up in was just it was in my head. I grew up as a huge fan of the book The Outsiders, okay. you know, the movie Stand by Me. Sandlot. Those those books and those movies that really spoke about the importance of friends. Yeah. And those those summers or those times that really just define your life. So that was never a question. And and I wanted a book about friendship that had lessons. And there was no there was no doubt in my mind that it was gonna be based on my hometown, because that that place has shaped me like like nowhere else. And I don't want to
0: give uh, too too much away for the folks who are listening to this who haven't had the chance yet to read the book, but we talk about some of the dog parts that are happening in, in this book, right? Um, do you care to kind of just give a little bit of a hint of maybe some of the toughness or the challenges that might be faced in here that uh, you know David might have to go through uh, along the way in this book?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you've gone through a situation where You have parents that maybe are uh, again not as tuned into to the the kids' needs as as they should be, or or divorce. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm fortunate. My parents are still together. My wife and I are still together. But I know a lot of people that parent their parents divorced, and I'm sure we've seen it. You know, some some people. Life just kind of goes on as it did like like nothing happened and then we've also seen some of our friends or people we know like where their life has kind of taken a, a drastic turn yeah because they just don't quite know how to process those emotions. And so you see that in some of these characters where again, w- when you're for- when you're 14, 15, 16 years old, your world is is, is you. Like, you are <laughs> completely self-centered. but I think that's the age where you also start to really get some awareness that you know what like what's going on in my house? maybe isn't what's going on in somebody else's house for for better or for worse. And that's what I really like about the book and the characters is I think that they, they start to realize, well, you know what? I have problems, but everybody has problems. And even though my problems may seem difficult and challenging, maybe they're not as difficult and as bad as everybody else. And I think that's where the, the Becky character, um, the problem that gets revealed with her, I think, is really the the big eye-opening type moment. And I think it's just a reminder for all of us as as people to never make assumptions about somebody based off of how they look or how they may be acting outwardly.
0: The old uh, adage, right, of uh, not judging a book by its cover.
1: Great, great tie-in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, speaking of tie-ins here, one of the things I, I think I forgot to ask here is the timing of where this took place or when this took place. Uh, what are we looking back from? Is this from your perspective of in the 80s? Yeah, so... No phones. You no know. phones. And that's, yeah. and that's
1: what I love about... about Which is this, beautiful. I love about this. About this book because, you know, relationships now, and, and again, I'm an older man, so I, don't, I, I would not want to be in the dating world. I, could, <laughs> I couldn't imagine... What that even It'd looks like mess. now with all the technology <laughs> and you're just, you're able to connect and plug in and um, you know, there's apps where you can find out where somebody is at every single week. Absolutely. And, and that's not the world that I grew up in and that's not necessarily the world I, I relate to. So the, the story starts off with a man who is who seemingly has it all in, in life but he he his son is having some issues and those issues are kind of tied into the issues that he had growing up and so he is uh, not forced but because he wants to help his son, because he maybe had some parents that were absent, yeah. he starts to reflect back on that summer that really shaped his life. And so the story does take place in the early '90s. It it, it follows a very similar timeline to 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 myself. Uh, I think as an author, sometimes it's just easy to fall into what you know. And again, that's I think what makes the book and the relationships in this book so unique is there are issues that arise from not having. The cell phones where right. where you can't call somebody immediately or text them or or be tuned into like how somebody's feeling in that moment. And and I think sometimes now we, we kind of lose sight of that because it is so easy to know exactly how people are feeling at every moment if you really sure. want to. Are these kids uh middle school or high school age kids? So they're high school age kids. High school so these age are kids, kids. that Absolutely. It, so, so David the main character is is going into his junior year. Okay um, and he's he's young for his age, which um, again, in towns that don't have a lot of money, which is is kind of where this, this book is set, it's it's not uncommon uh, as an educator to see kids start school younger because school is free daycare. Right. And, right. and it's not necessarily how parents look at, at things, but when you're talking about making ends meet, having to go to work and paying for a babysitter versus, well, if I just start my kid in school a little bit early, that's right. free. Um, so David is on the younger end. And again, it kind of ties into, you know, me always being maybe a little bit on the younger end of some of the people that, that I hung out with. And you, you look up to these guys, but you're you're also a little fearful and you, you just get that self-doubt <laughs> because you're never quite as big or strong as they are.
0: Talking a little bit about uh, some of the toughness, or maybe the perception aspect of it. Let's talk about some of the perception of maybe how tough it was to write this book. I mean, to really sit down and take from what you had started in college, right? Fast forward 30 years later,
1: and now finish the darn thing, right? How tough was that? What was the, so the toughest part was keeping it a secret. <laughs> um, be, because I, you know, I certainly didn't want to come out and say, hey, guess what, I'm, I'm gonna write a book. Yeah. Because. I had no idea where this was going to end up. I really didn't, right. I didn't know if it was going to end up as a book. I just right. I just wanted to get this story out. And so, you know, as I'm starting to sit there and spend more and more time at my computer, you know, a couple hours a day turns into four or five hours a day, turns into like eight, nine hours a day. Wow, he got the itch. Yes. And so what, oh. what happens there, though, is your wife and your family <laughs> are starting to wonder, Going what are you on? doing <laughs> so um it was just crazy like how all that really kind of started to to spiral and and, and just build um I, i'm i'm so glad the book came out of it but that wasn't necessarily the goal when it started it just it just evolved and it's like anything i think once um and it it, it ties into that theme of self-doubt of can i do this yeah i think i am doing this <laughs> and now i love i love doing this and that's that's really kind of how this process when you out. say goal, uh, were you talking about the goal thirty years ago, or
0: the goal relived thirty years after the fact?
1: Oh, it's definitely the goal relived thirty years after. No the fact. kidding. Yeah, I mean, I again, I, I just um, you get to a point in life—at least I do—where I want to take on new challenges. Yeah. And going to be the director over at the Excel Center—that was a new challenge, and, and and that does that does kind of build you up and give you confidence. But yeah. You also when you get to be, you know, in your 40s or maybe it's earlier or later for some people, it's it's kind of like what have what have I done to leave my my mark on this world? Okay. And for me, when I'm when I'm no longer on this earth, I hope that this book still is and it it just validates that I was here. But it's also validation that if you really want something, you can do it. Because in no way or shape or form did I think I was ever <laughs> going to be a published author. But it happened but
0: here you are yeah as we start to get to the closing end of this we spent a a, a decent time today uh, amount of time talking about mike gallo and the book that he wrote um i think a lot of folks would love to know what's the most challenging part of of writing not just this book but of writing
1: any book um it's always the beginning and the ending
0: <laughs> <laughs> are you serious yeah no i kidding.
1: mean yeah really i mean i i think you know um most people kind of know like where things are are going to go or the story yeah um and it's hard to let go. It's 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 just it's almost like any relationship. You you never know how a relationship's going to begin. It just sort of happens. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, like you know, like any relationship that ends. It ends. Yep. You don't necessarily know how it's going to end, and you don't know why it's 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 going to end, or it's ending the way that it does. And I think uh, you know, writing a book is pretty similar. The the, the, the toughest thing is now that it's out there. And now that now that I've gone back and read it, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have done this. I wish I, you know, I wish I could have done that. And and so the toughest part is when it's when it's finished, is kind of walking away, letting it breathe are walking away letting it breathe and letting the audience and the readers have their own interpretations. And and that's really been the fun thing is as people have read this, kind of hearing their take and, and, and hearing and seeing things from them, that maybe I didn't even think of.
0: Speaking of fun, that's my next question for you. What was the most fun part about writing this book?
1: So because I'm secretive, yeah. uh, <laughs> and because I didn't want to, I, I just did not want to say, hey, I, I don't like talking about, You know, we're doing a long-form interview, yeah. but I don't like talking about myself.
0: <laughs> hey, We're, um, we're 50, 50 minutes into this
1: guy. <laughs> yeah, and so um, I, I was just raised, and I think it's it's part of the town I was raised in. I think it, I was just raised to be a very humble person. It's not about you. Don't don't put the spotlight on you. So of course, the the hardest, honestly, the the hardest thing for me was when this became a reality. When I knew it was published and when it was ready to be kind of released, was telling this to people because I had spent hours and hours and hours with this, and nobody had any inkling or clue that I was working on this. And so the level of shock that people felt and and displayed, like when I did this. Uh, It made me feel good, but they were just like, why didn't you tell us that you were working on this? And again, it's just because I think it's just that self-doubt that always lies within. I just didn't want to let anybody down.
0: Did you think you let anybody down? I hope not. Sounds like, I mean, based upon I mean, hey, for the folks who have listened who have read the book, I'm sure you by now have gone on and seen the reviews that have been on just even Amazon about the book. I mean, you've really touched and impacted a lot of people's lives with this.
1: Yeah, and that's that, Does honestly, that surprise you a that, little bit. Yeah, that 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 honestly is the crazy thing is again, like once once it's out there, it it's out there. Sure. It, it leaves your hands and it's it's open for anybody's interpretation. And I, I think when you put a part of yourself out there You're opening yourself up for for criticism, and that's that's never um, an easy thing for anybody in any platform. And so, yeah, it's it's been amazing to see those reviews that are out there and how positive they are, and just the really nice things that people have to say about all the hard work you put in. And and that that makes it just feel rewarding. Not that I would ever write or do anything to 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 keep other people happy, but it does. I'm not gonna lie, it does make you feel good when other people do appreciate what you've done. Mike, is there anything
0: that you want to say that we haven't covered yet? Uh, anything you feel that's important for people to know about this book?
1: No. I mean, if you're looking for more information on on me, just the writing process, you can go to Facebook. If you search Mike Gallo, author of No More Games, there's a lot that just did, went into the process of the book. There's there's more information, not just about the book itself, but just some of the characters, yeah. some of my own creative process so I think if you're kind of wanting to know a little bit more about me, just what goes into writing, I think if you go to that Facebook uh, page, Mike Gallo, author of No More Games, uh, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff. I do go into a lot more detail about some of the characters and, and just some of the the thought processes. Well, that we could have everything. spent a
0: whole other hour diving just into the creative process. If, just-
1: <laughs> if people are listening right now at the end of this, I'm still going to be excited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I bet you they will. Because this has
1: been fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And let's talk about... I you got a facebook too right Correct. or you got the uh, website
1: yes so it's it's www.nomoregamesbook.com that that there's there's good information there they can go there purchase it directly it's on amazon yeah. it's on barnes and noble it's on goodreads uh, if you google it it is out there um, there are some other books called no more games, uh, for me, the title just was, was kind of a, a, allusion to the fact that these kids are playing baseball, but it's also just kind of alluding to that fact that you do reach a point in your life, whether it's with relationships or sports or anything where you have to realize I can't just play games anymore. I've got to get serious. I've got to kind of make that transition from being a kid to, to an adult. Well, that's Mike Gallo, author of the book, no more
0: games. How does it feel when you just hear that? Author of the book. It,
1: I, I, like, I'm looking over <laughs> my shoulder. Is so that like, talking to somebody else? I'm like, who are you talking to? Yeah, it, it, is, it is crazy. But it just goes to show like how life just evolves and you never know where where it's going to take you. Well, congratulations
0: again on the book. Again, that's Mike Gallo, author of the book, No More Games. Uh, and you can get that book or find more information about the book at nomoregamesbook.com. Mike, thank you, sir. Josh, thank you. appreciate it.